Welcome to another episode of Fresh Brewed Kentucky Politics. If I look underprepared, I was just yelling for my hat and nobody responded. And that's what happens when you're Andrew Cooperwriter. Anyways, welcome to another episode. Uh, we're going to go through it today, talk about a couple things. But first, um, if you could do me just one small favor, and that is hit that share button. If you're listening on Facebook, hit that share button. If you're listening on YouTube, share the link, uh, please. We all know that Facebook is currently uh, throttling us and is holding back what we um, are able to reach out to. And so, hey, just hit that share button for us and, and help spread the word. Thank you guys so, so, so much. Um, additionally, as well, if you want to support us, please go to broodco.com buy our coffee, rebuy our coffee, buy it a lot. You know, what does your coffee say about you? Stop funding the enemy, fund liberty. A whole lot of, of, of fantastic taglines to give you guys. So please hit that share button. And, and we're going to go into today's topics. We're going to talk about COVID inconsistencies. I got a little gut check for some of y'all uh, on the mass issue where we're, we're going to dig into. Um, talk about governor, Kentucky governor requiring vaccines for board meetings and and which is interesting and is a definitely a power play but of course they'll probably lay down and take it because republicans have no backbones here in kentucky um joe biden's on all zymers alzheimer's <laughs> i've been saying alzheimer's and i got yelled at by producer nick so uh alzheimer's uh, he, he said something really weird about it that makes me think he has Alzheimer's. <laughs> and January 6th, uh, of course, a whole lot of hoopla about nothing there, but we'll go ahead and dig on into it. Thank you guys for joining us. Please hit that share button. And let's talk about COVID inconsistencies. Let's talk about the science of it all. So one of the most important things that I have noticed, especially as we're tearing down and slowing down COVID, is how slow the guidelines, the state guidelines all around this country are to adapt to the science. So if you guys remember, they said, hey, follow the science. We're following the science. We need to put these orders in place. However, as we all know, science is not a settled issue. It never has been. Science is just not settled on a thing. And so in this case where the science isn't, uh, quote unquote, settled, um, you know, it's always changing. And so whenever people said, well, let science lead the way, well, science can be wrong. And there's a pretty major thing science was wrong about that has recently become the subject of, of a couple of topics, especially in the court cases that we've been following out of Boone County and ourselves with the ABC. And that is that COVID has been proven to not spread on droplets, but rather to spread on aerosols. Why is this important to the conversation? Well, quite simply, it's super important because it goes into the efficacy of mass and how they work. So for those of you who watched our ABC case, uh, you saw that the epidemiologist three from Kentucky testified. And when challenged by Chris Weiss on the aerosols and droplets issue, uh, she responded with, yes, at the time we believe COVID spread by droplets, but now it spreads by aerosols. Why is that so important? Well, droplets, meaning it's like your spit that spreads on, is important because you know these paper masks that aren't really ppe as we talked about they work for droplets if that's the concern 
uh, to a degree. Now, a lot of people would say, does it really work with droplets? You know, I, there's a lot of debate on that too as well. And there's a lot of debate on how it all works. I mean, if you're not really getting um, sneezed in the face or anything like that, the question is, you know, how, how easy is it really to catch it from droplets? Now, uh, back when they believed that could spread on surfaces, I don't know if you guys remember that. And we're going to talk about that here in a second because that guidance changed a minute ago, but yet we are still seeing odd guidance there. But you know, and, and the reason why aerosols versus droplets is the minute it spreads by aerosols, it means that the, the particles, the code particles are too small. And it means masks no longer are effective in stopping the spread of COVID. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. You can just go watch our ABC hearing where Chris Weiss had challenged the uh, epidemiologists on that because they were saying I was a public health risk because I wasn't requiring mass in their opinion and because of that they said i was causing a risk to the public health and chris Weiss challenged him and said well hold on though covid spreads by aerosols not droplets and isn't it true that if it's spreading by aerosols then that means mass are no longer effective and that epidemiologist three for that works for the state of kentucky responded with yes that is true but at the time we believed this was true so not only does that go to the crux of the argument in that particular case which is really weird that is basically stating that yeah at the time it, it, we thought it was a danger so it's a danger even though now the science has actually said it's not now for all of you guys who pay attention that pay attention to this stuff, you all know that we've been talking about it being aerosols and not droplets and in this scientific community that isn't in lockstep with the CDC has been talking about that for uh, a long time. Apparently we know that COVID viruses typically spread on aerosols and not droplets and would very, very odd, very odd, um, very odd to see uh, that suddenly uh, change with COVID-19 for it to spread by droplets. But it's been proven it spreads by aerosols. So therefore, masks are ineffective. But yet, we still see the mask bans even slow to end. I mean, here in Kentucky, still, I believe, for technically another, what, 10 days or something, we were still supposed to wear masks if you haven't been vaccinated. If you have been vaccinated, of course, you're supposed to be able to take those masks off. But we're going to talk about that here in a second. COVID inconsistencies. I had an interesting experience today uh, in a restaurant I want to talk about. But um, but what's going back to those COVID inconsistencies, this is where it becomes a problem and where these, these inconsistencies affect policy. So here's an example. There is a guidance that the um, state has issued that says you have to be six feet apart from one another uh, in a restaurant. So no matter how much they lift capacity, no how much they add to capacity of restrictions and they go to it, um, they will never, ever be able to hit 100% capacity because they have to keep people six feet apart unless you put up a plexiglass barrier between the tables. But here's the problem with this guidance. That is once again assuming that COVID spreads by droplets. If it's spreading by aerosols, that hangs suspended in the air for sometimes up to 50 days because of the side, size of COVID. So therefore, meaning masks are not only ineffective, but additionally, these barriers are ineffective in stopping the spread um, of COVID. And, and, but yet, but yet, the guidance still remains at the state level because of they still are putting in policies based upon the idea that COVID spreads 
by droplets. You can even see that in, um, and this goes into a, another inconsistency. So like four or five weeks ago, the CDC came out and stated that COVID, um, you have a one in 10,000 chance of catching COVID from a surface if it was literally just like sneezed on and it does not last on surfaces for a long time and simple soap and water kills COVID. You don't even need any high end chemicals or anything like that to kill it. And that came out as a guidance from the CDC. However, you still see things like the pool policy I posted about today. And the pool policy states that um, in order to maintain distancing or what have you, that a, a pool has to can only have one person for every i believe 50 square feet a pool surface okay and and people have to maintain distancing in the pool which is also uh very 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 hard to do when you're dealing with a bunch of children but of course uh, putting that's putting aside the science that says that chlorine kills covid in under 30 seconds and under 30 seconds. And, and not only that, but you have the fumes that come off the pool that kill the coat. So, you know, long story short, um, if you are spreading out water or anything like that, COVID's being killed pretty much instantly. Additionally as well, um, you know, you have a lot of these removals of outside guidance elsewhere. So, so you have a bunch of kids who are not at risk floating around in literally a pool of high grade disinfectant chlorine, right? And yet that still has guidance in place. However, if they take one step outside of the pool, they can all stand around unmasked, unworried, without any capacity restrictions because they're an outdoor venue. That is incredibly inconsistent. But not only do you have inconsistency in the rules, you have the inconsistency in the thought processes of these COVIDians, okay? These people that worship the almighty God that is COVID, more, more satanic probably type worship because that COVID is a mean God, right? And strikes down anyone who does not follow its tenets of masking, social distancing, and hiding in your home just like that. But these COVIDians, I'm sorry, COVIDians, <laughs> we're supposed to be COVIDians uh, as we, you know, actually read the materials. But anyways, these COVIDians, I ran into a, a, a fresh flock of COVIDians today, wild in Lexington, let me tell you about it. So I go into a restaurant, okay? It's a local restaurant here in Lexington. I will not say any names. And they seat us and they seat us uh, back to back with this table. So as soon as I sit down, as soon as Kara sits down, uh, my, that's my wife's name. I'm sorry, guys, who don't know who Kara is. And my son, Leo, sits down. We all sit down and the dude, the guy who's older, a little bit older, sitting across me, locks like dead eye contact and at that moment decides to put on his mask. So they're sitting out, they're at a restaurant and all of a sudden all of them go to put on their masks. So they put on their masks and, and, and they sit there like, okay, we've donned our protective material. Now remember guys, if they're donning their masks because they see us and they think we're sitting too close and also they realize we're the, we're the evil brood and we might spread to them our cooties, then <laughs> therefore, um, you know, putting on a mask doesn't help and it doesn't help because, well, remember guys, masks protect you from me, supposedly. Now, now that's of course, ignoring the whole droplets versus aerosols thing I just mentioned, but we're going to go ahead. We'll leave that to the side for now, but they're like, Hey, we're going to go ahead. 
we're going to go ahead. We're going to uh, don these masks because we need to show show our virtue signal. We need to go ahead. We need to put that on. So they put on their virtue signal, despite the fact that we all know these individuals, based upon what they say next, are clearly vaccinated individuals. They're clearly vaccinated individuals. Yet they yell at us about following the science, but here they are vaccinated, still wearing masks, and yet, and yet we're the ones not following science still. Meanwhile, they are completely disregarding CDC and their own Lord and Savior, Andy Bashir himself's guidances. They decide they know better. They've gone straight to the Covidian God himself and have been handed down new commandments that says the CDC is wrong and so is Andy and you need to wear a mask. And so they're putting their mask on and, and they don it and then they proceed to loudly complain about the waitress seating us too close to them. And they are like, well, you know, it's it's six foot distancing. It may be 75% capacity, but it's six foot distancing. And they're right there. And there's all these other places in the restaurant that could have seated them, but they seated them right there. And then they the waitress comes over and, and picks up the check, okay? Picks up the check from them. Let's keep in mind, guys, we haven't even ordered our drinks yet, okay? We haven't even ordered our drink yet, but they pick up the check, picks it up, says, oh, thank you so much. And then they, they say, how was everything? They go, well, you know, it's 75% capacity, sure, but you still need to maintain six foot distancing. And because of that, um, and yet you sat them right, like loudly complaining about us. You sat a bunch of unmasked people right over there. And that just seems really unsafe, which immediately I'm like, why didn't you stay home? You know, if you're so worried about some dirty unvaccinated people might be eating near you while you eat your subpar food. And I'm sorry, I'm not gonna call it this restaurant, but we all know it serves subpar food. We all go there because we have nowhere else to go at that time of day because Patch and Pub and Shamrock weren't open. And I much rather prefer what they have to serve. That gives you an idea of what part of town this was on. But they're subpar food and we're all there. And I'm like, go home. Just go home then. If you've got an issue with me sitting that close, go home. But you know what they do, guys? You know what they do? They continue to sit there and conversate loudly. First about how mad they were that we existed. Like literally, how dare we exist? But then they start conversating about general politics and everything else. Oh my gosh, I almost lost it. I was like, actually, that's incorrect. But I, I didn't, I kept it cool. Um, at one point, me and my wife loudly complained about how we hate science deniers that still wear their masks after being vaccinated and how we would expect them to follow the science. And why do those people think we know better just to get a little jab back at them? But we continue. But guys, as I sit here today, if I'm lying, I'm dying. We eat our entire meal, pay for it and walk out before they have gotten up. They literally sat there complaining about us existence and how we're too close for our entire meal when they paid for their meal before we even sat down, before we even sat down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't believe this level of inconsistency of thought. You, you think this is so bad and so terrible that I exist and I'm right here, I'm banging my microphone, I'm getting so animated over here. You think it's so bad that I exist and everything else, but yet you continue to sit there for my entire meal, loudly complaining about us. I cannot for the life of me, for the life of me, figure out why they would do such a thing. But of course, that's it. 
The entire thing, the entire uh, COVIDian belief system is built around the idea that they are far more virtuous than others. And the idea that like, you know, oh, hey, you know what? They see somebody too close. I don't like them. I don't like their masking situation or what have you. That whole idea left their mind. And instead, they decided to sit there and complain and stay our entire meal. Masked, mind you. Masked, mind you. So it's just those COVID inconsistencies, and they get frustrating as you see them more. And listen, I'm not asking my government to do anything. I would never ask my government to do a single thing to solve this issue. I don't like my government getting involved. That doesn't mean we can't engage in the culture war and continue to push back on these things. And that leads me into my next topic. And that is a little bit of a gut check for all you guys out there. Because listen, here's the deal. If you, because the mass mandates have ended in a lot of areas, so no matter where you're listening from, whether it be Kentucky, whether it be in other states, because you feel like you can take the mass off now, which you can, you're like, all right, mass are off, the fight's over. Now, remember all the times that you would argue online about mass and people would say, it's just a mask. It's not, it's not your freedoms. It's not tyranny or anything else. Stop being ridiculous and just put on the mask. And you responded with the same thing we always responded with, which is it's not just about mass. It's never been about mass for us. If it's just about mass, that'd be one thing. But it's about the fact for us that they were taking away people's business licenses and their alcohol licenses and, and, and destroying these businesses because one of their customers came in deciding to not wear a mask and somehow attacking the business because they don't want to get into altercation with their customers. It's about the fact that no government mandate with the stroke of a pen should be able to take away everything people have worked their entire lives for. It shouldn't be able to period. That's what it was about. However, if you've disengaged, if you're no longer involved, if you're no longer joining your local liberty groups, all across this country, there's local liberty groups. If you're no longer dedicated to shrinking the size of business, I'm here to size of business, sorry, the size of government, getting government out of the lives because you have accomplished actually nothing. Your masters have told you you can take the mask off, so you did. And you're not bothering to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we going to do to take away your ability to do this ever again? And I don't mean just masks, but I mean taking away entire people's livelihoods, picking and choosing winners and losers, not following the science, but instead making value-based decisions, as Dr. Stack said, under oath, without engaging the people's branch of government, the legislator, in how to make these decisions. And you haven't changed a single thing about that. The only thing that's changed is your dictator, your tyrannical king, has said you can take it off now, so you've decided that I'm okay, good, I get to take it off, no more fighting for me, and shame on you because you're exactly everything they said you were. All you cared about was a silly mask. And if that's all you cared about the entire time was the fact that you don't have to wear a mask anymore, and you don't care anymore about one businesses like us who are losing our liquor licenses and other businesses that are still under process of being attacked for things they did during COVID all across this country. 
Or if you're done trying to push back and fight against the tyrannical, overbearing control of the government, if that's what it is for you, you're just done because, well, they allowed me to be done now. Shame on you. You're exactly what they said that you were. It was always just about the mastery, which is silly. If it is literally just about the mastery, you are silly. Because for me, that wasn't what it was about. The government wants to say, hey, wear a mask. That's one thing. But the government wants to say, hey, wear a mask, and I'm going to force you to wear a mask. And if you don't wear one in this business, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to take away that business owner's business. Come on. Not to take Joe Biden's line, but come on, man. Stand up and fight. Shrink the size of government. Get rid of these unelected bureaucrats being able to create licenses and take them away with a snap of a finger, or better yet, create their own policies with just a snap of a figure. Stand up and push back against that because it's not just about the mass. But like I said, if you're done fighting, if you're done, because hey, they're not making me wear this tyrannical piece of cloth anymore. Shame on you. It's a little bit of a gut check. Shame on you. Stay involved. Get with local liberty groups. Support people who are pushing forward for liberty. And make sure you not, do not forget this, especially coming into elections in 22, 21 if you're in some states, but 22 in most states. And push back and get this done. Get liberty done. All right, enough of me berating you guys out there. I'm sure not the people listening, of course, but you know, the people will probably never hear this because they stopped engaging a long time ago when they got told that they could take the mask off. They're like, oh, thank you, sir. I'll, I'll stop fighting back now. But thank you guys for listening. Obviously, as always, please hit the share button. Um, sh share us out real quick here. We're gonna go into a little bit more talking about people fighting back. Um, we're gonna talk about Ryan Quarles here. He sent out a tweet, but please first, Hit that share button. Ryan Quarles, he is the ag commissioner here in Kentucky. Here in Kentucky, he had sent out a tweet, a, a, a tweet that said that uh, for his own fair board meeting, he was required to show a vaccination card. Apparently, the governor has enforced for government, for government uh, here in Kentucky, the governor has enforced a policy that says the board meetings, the government board meetings here in Kentucky um, cannot occur unless everybody is vaccinated and shows their vaccine card. That is what the governor of Kentucky here has done. That's a problem. First off, Ryan Quarles and the other constitutional offices and possibly other legislators that sit on these branches are duly or sit on these committees and these these board meetings are duly elected individuals. It is their constitutional requirement to be able to attend those meetings? And I believe nowhere in the Kentucky Constitution does it have a clause that says, well, but only if they're vaccinated. I believe they need to carry out their duties regardless of their vaccination status, and that includes going to their board meetings. But of course, the governor is only doing this for a political move. He's flexing his power once again, because though maybe the COVID mandates for us people are kind of rolling back, the governor's not done being tyrannical. We all know about what he's doing, the Sunrise Children thing, or hopefully if you do, if you haven't, go to freedomfight.us. There's a petition there talking about what's going on with the Sunrise Children's services. But 
He's not done being tyrannical. And he's clearly showing that he's more than willing to put in place a vaccine passport system. If he is willingly requiring it, he's requiring it for governmental board meetings to take place. It's requiring to show it. That's the first issue that we still have our tyrannical governor doing tyrannical things and nobody's checking him on it. But here's our second issue. I'm sorry, the second issue is nobody's checking him on it. Because you know what's worse than Ryan Quarles making a tweet about it? What's worse is Ryan Quarles showed his vaccination card and then just went to Twitter and complained about it. You, Ryan Quarles, are in a position. You could have filed a lawsuit right then and there saying the governor has absolutely no right to require you to show your vaccination status in order to take part in your duly elected constitutional job. However, however, what's he gonna do? Maybe he stands up and does something, but my bet is Ryan Quarles rolls over and just takes it. Because that's what the Republican Party of Kentucky and its leadership is missing. People with a backbone that do more than take to Twitter and throw a fit or do more than just fundraise, but actually do the stuff that we citizens here at Brood have been doing, like court cases, like actual advocating for legislation to get done, like protests, like demonstrations. I mean, imagine the kind of protests Ryan Curls could put together around this if he scheduled a protest to say the governor cannot require vaccine passports it is unconstitutional to do that to constitutional officers we're going to have a protest that says return to the state's constitution imagine how big that would be imagine how sizable that would be and imagine the statement it would make is he going to do that probably not maybe he does it maybe something gets back to rpk that old andrew brood's throwing a fit again about ryan quarrels not doing anything when it's well within his abilities to do it, you can't even claim like, well, he's just the ad commissioner. What do you want him to do? He's being barred from going to his own meetings unless he shows his papers. What can he do about it? He can stand up and do something about it. And it doesn't even make political sense. I mean, Ryan Curls wants to run for governor here in Kentucky. Wants to run for governor here in Kentucky. But yeah, he doesn't even have the backbone to stand up when he's being possibly denied. Oh, my hair's out of the way. Anyways, being possibly denied access to his own board meetings. It's pathetic. That's my call on Ryan Quarles. Ryan Quarles, do something about it. Sue him. Do something. Don't show him your papers next time. You don't agree with it, Ryan, then take a stand. Otherwise, I have to assume you're agreeing with it. Not, and, and what you're saying is just words with no actions. And so actually you agree with it, but you just know your constituents probably won't vote for you if you admit it out loud. When you want to go ahead and run for governor. Take a stand. Gosh. Us citizens, us people out here, the people watching and listening to this podcast, the organizations like Constitutional Kentucky and AFA and MAFA and We Free Ourselves and the Tea Party and Take Back Kentucky, their shoulders are tired. They're tired of having to constantly carry the weight of liberty and freedom and standing up to this tyrannical rule here in Kentucky. They're tired.
It's time some of you people who have no problem pandering for a vote start pulling your weight. Start actually doing something. Regardless, that's here in Kentucky, but I know all across this great nation, all across this great, great nation, this isn't a one-off situation. I'm sure this is happening in a lot of legislators, in a lot of states, where the Republicans in that state, or even at the federal level, failed to do anything more than compromise away your rights. I mean, look, look at what the fiscally conservative Republicans are doing at the national level. Biden says, I want a $2 trillion infrastructure plan. What are the Republicans counter with? Well, certainly the more can, can, uh, conservative $900 billion infrastructure plan. You were at zero. He just got you up to $900 billion. You've already lost. <laughs> you already lost the negotiation. Mark my words. If that's what really they're negotiating at the federal level, at the federal level, we're going to have an over trillion dollar uh, um, infrastructure package done. And that's considering Biden's hefty budget request of $6 trillion. I mean, I don't know what to tell you guys. I, listen, I'm not saying infrastructure doesn't need to get done. Let's get infrastructure done. But let's get it done as a normal part of our budget. Doesn't need to be extra spending. One of the few key things you as the government say your roles are is roads. So how about we stop doing these benevolent things that don't actually accomplish anything like gender studies in Pakistan or running lizards on treadmills and fix a darn pothole. We don't need to spend more money on it. Y'all already got the money. Just fix the darn thing. We also don't need 300 million for dang trains in America. We don't need that. But of course, that's in the Republican budget. So-called Republicans. In other news, and down in Texas, we have the Democrats breaking quorum over a voting bill. Once again, guys, please hit that share button for us. If you're watching this live, I thank you so much. You can go to broodco.com, buy our coffee. You can also listen to this as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, and so on and so forth. As you guys know, Facebook is throttling our reach, so please hit that share button. I appreciate it so, so, so much. But Texas breaking quorum. Democrats. So for those who don't know what that means, most legislators are ruled, generally speaking, and based on the rules are based upon a Robert's Rules of Orders, which is a very boring book, and I suggest to nobody to read it. But if you ever are involved in meetings or government or things like that, you got to read it to understand how it works, how quorum works, what that means. So quorum is uh, there has to be a certain amount of people in the room. So, you know, I think for Texas, it may be like 66%. So you have to have 66% of the legislator there to even be able to vote on anything. So if, if, the Democrats, in this case, in, in Texas, they just they just walked out to make sure the Republicans didn't have the quorum they needed to pass uh, a voting bill that then would have gotten signed by the governor. So the Republicans had the majority vote, but the Democrats said, hey, we have enough seats that we can break quorum. So we're just going to go ahead. We're just going to walk out and break quorum. So that way you can't actually legally vote on this now. And it was also the last day of their session. So, you know, probably the governor there will call a special session to pull them back in. But they break quorum over this very, very racist 
voting bill. And what's in the bill that's so racist? Well, one of the major things they're throwing a fit about is they're no longer going to allow drive-through voting. So apparently in like Austin, they were offering drive-through voting. And also too, they're like, no, voting has to be done at the cutoff. You can't extend it out and you can't do a 24 hour voting up to the moment. And you know, a, a lot of normal rules of saying, hey, you know, all this shenanigans you guys did during COVID, listen, we're, we're not gonna do that. Okay, we're not gonna do that this time, right? It's gonna be normal voting like it's always been. I didn't know I had to specifically make it illegal for you to vote at 2 a.m. You're never supposed to be able to do that. So now I'm gonna specifically make that illegal that you can't vote at 2 a.m. because that's silly. And, and, and I guess, you know, we can have a debate on that, but I don't wanna debate about it. it it's kind of weird that you can't just vote at 2 a.m., but whatever. I mean, they make some argument about third shift workers or second shift workers or something. I, I don't know. You'd have to explain that one to me because you'd think first shift workers would be the ones, but first shift workers don't need to vote at 2 a.m. They can vote if they get out. Anyways, regardless, regardless. Um, <laughs> um, but what's in the voting bill, part of what's so racist about this voting bill is they will not allow drive-through voting. And they're like, that is racist. Drive-through voting, not allowing that is racist. Now, I had it on good information based upon the Georgia voting bill that driver's licenses were racist. <laughs> but now not entering drive-through voting is racist. So IDs are racist, therefore driver's license is an ID. So therefore driver's licenses are racist in one state. But in the other state, if you're not allowing those people who have a driver's license to vote through special means drive-through voting, then that is also racist. So if you, if you favor people who have a driver's license, racist. If you don't allow people to vote that don't have an ID, AKA also known as, or, or can be a driver's license, that is also racist. So racist, racist, right? IDs are not racist and racist all at the same time. And I guess the Democrats didn't have a double standard, they'd have no standards. I guess when you have an issue with something, the golden bullet, is just to call it racist <laughs> because I can't imagine how you square this one mentally about uh, a race, racist IDs, but racist drive-through voting. But this is where we are now. We have to look somebody in the eye and engage in public discourse and honest discourse with individuals that believe IDs are racist and also not allowing drive-through voting is racist. But regardless, Joe Biden made a weird comment about Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. For producer Nick over there. Alzheimer's, he said, he said, every bed in America would be full of Alzheimer's patients in the next 15 years. Which, of course, that statement made me think that our president has Alzheimer's because not only, okay, let's walk this through. First off, if anybody else at all has ever heard this statement said ever before, if anybody else has ever heard of the medical community being like, hey, Alzheimer's is going to fill up our hospitals. We literally will be unable to operate anymore. We'll be up to our elbows and Alzheimer's patients, and we'll be unable to offer bed to anybody. You break your arm, too bad. This guy who doesn't know where he is is taking up your bed, okay? And, and I'm not saying they make light of Alzheimer's. Listen, 
there Alzheimer's runs in my family. My my grandmother had Alzheimer's, probably died from it. Um, you know, so I'm not making light of that. I'm making light of the fact that Joe Biden just whips out this medical statement and everyone's just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, next is he going to be like, if we don't get a handle on this rabies problem, it's like, who else has reported on this issue? Has this, hey, listen, if you know of an article that talks about Alzheimer's filling up all the beds in America, send it to me. Not one just wrote as they cover butt for Biden, but an actual article wrote sometime before the last three days. <laughs> that would be great. But he goes, every bed in America is going to be full. And the other problem with that statement is it assumes that the hospitals over the course of 15 years, we'll never add a bed. Even when they see that they're filling up with Alzheimer's patients, they're going to be like, no, no, that's okay. We're not going to add any more beds at all. Oh, you have the video. Okay, let's play that video real quick. Here we go. That's me. That's the video. Every single solitary hospital bed that exists in America, as the nurses can tell you, every single one, will be occupied in the next 15 years with an Alzheimer's patient. Every one. There you go. Every bed, every one will be occupied with an Alzheimer's patient here in America. So not only, once again, crazy thing, I don't know where that came from, but also as well, it assumes that hospitals will be looking at the hospital beds over the next 15 years and be like, oh, it's just filling up. I'm not going to do anything about it. I mean, it's not like hospitals make a profit by offering you know beds to people for medical care and if they see there's a need there was a need for hospital beds in a hospital over the course of 15 years they will you can build like a hospital in a year like i don't understand how this becomes a problem i just i'm like i said i'm not trying to make fun of anybody who has alzheimer's other than possibly joe biden but but i'm not making light of that disease it's a terrible disease that inflicts many like i said my grandmother uh battles with it and and if if it rolls out probably one of my sisters will i guess how it works generational so i'm not trying to make light of that disease and i promise you that's not what i'm trying to do but i do think it's crazy to say anything slowly building over the course of 15 years in the hospitals will overwhelm them like that is plenty of time to prepare this is plenty of time to prepare and i just i don't i don't understand this statement <laughs> i don't get it and i also don't get the fact that media is just like nah, that's okay he just that's just rascally old biden look at him eating his chocolate chocolatey chip ice cream that's a real thing they asked him about what you eating there bud chocolatey chocolate chip ice cream just stole it from that little girl i smelled <laughs> anyways point is is biden has alzheimer's because he's over here making crazy statements. Uh, and, and we need to get checked on that. We need to check him out for that one. Someone check on Joe Biden for me. Very, very much, please. Okay. We got one more topic I want to talk about. The January 6th is the most important thing ever on the entire planet is the January 6th investigation. Now, for those of you who want to go out and fight on the January 6th investigation. 
I, I, I want to arm you with some facts. Here's the first thing you need to know. Congress does not have the power to criminally indict anyone. All they can do that's a halfway legal proceeding is impeaching somebody like the president. But that's all they can do. They cannot. Congress in America cannot bring charges. So if you're a crazy leftist and you're watching this to get the deets on what us crazy righties are up to, hear my call. <laughs> Heed my warning. If you go out there saying that January 6th needs to be investigated and bring those criminals to justice, you will not achieve that with a congressional investigation. Congressional investigations are only used for discovering possible policies or laws. Let me give you an example, okay? So let's take January 6th, right? What could be investigated there by Congress? Okay, Congress could investigate the breakdown in communication that occurred between Capitol Police and DC Police to figure out what policies and procedures, because Congress is the ultimate policy-making body of the government, well, Congress, Senate, right? The legislators are the ultimate policy-making body in the country. So because of that, you could say, okay, on January 6th, we want to investigate the policies that went on between the DC police and the Capitol police and what led to us not having enough staff that we are just literally letting people into the Capitol building. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen those videos, but they're like full on letting people in. They're full on like, oh, what's up, my dude? And they're full on like, like, hey, can you get out of here, please? Okay, sure. Like, there's a lot of very chill videos. I mean, it's even funny. You'll go back and watch like CNN's coverage of it where they got like a live stream for the Hall of Statues. They're like, there they are. They've gained entry into the Hall of Statues. The Senate chamber's just on the other side. And these people are like still walking within the sanctions in the room. Like they're not even going, like just walking around the room. A few of them are walking around the room, like three, and they're taking pictures of the statues. They're like, well, look at this, right? And so the only thing Congress can investigate are the policies surrounding January 6th. Well, what policies were involved during January 6th? Like I said, congressional and DC police. Now, let me ask you, who's in charge of Capitol Police? That would be uh, Nancy Pelosi. That's right. That's right. So the only thing that Congress has within its rights to really do is investigate, well, I guess they could also investigate social media to see if there's policies or laws that need to be made to make sure it can't spread about. But at the same time, really, the crux of it, if they want to know what happened that day and what they need to do to make sure it doesn't happen again, there is only one person that can be investigated, really. That is Nancy Pelosi. And I guess, you know, the mayor of D.C. and the D.C. chief of police. Like, those are the people they would have to investigate to investigate in order to figure out what happened at the Capitol because it was literally just security was just letting them do whatever, like just whatever. Like, I mean, honestly, a group of people breached our Capitol building and there is not a body count really to talk about there. I know the one officer died. I know that's under investigation, but it's not like there was like, all right, mass pepper spray. I mean, I don't even think they were tear gassing or pepper spraying really until they were pushing them back out and they were like, all right, come on, let's go. So where were the police? What was going on there?
But of course, do you think the January 6th investigation would go into investigating Nancy Pelosi and the DC chief police and the other people involved in the policy making decisions when it came to security at the Capitol? And no, no, <laughs> that's not what they want to investigate. They want to investigate Trump. They want to get to the bottom of who was there and subpoena them and question them and grill them for political theater. And we all know that's what they're doing because it's not even within Congress's auspices, once again, to press criminal charges. And the fact we won't let them do something that they aren't even legally supposed to be doing, they now want to throw a fit about. Listen, you follow the Constitution or you don't. Period. End of story. That's it. That's all I got to say about that. Well, guys, I've come to the end of my ranting and raving. And I thank you for joining us. Once again, this is a podcast, Apple, Spotify. Additionally, as well, I thank you guys for joining me. Look at that. We had somebody from Russia watching. Thank you so much. And I enjoy, I enjoy you all joining me this evening. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you Wednesday evening for our next broadcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.